welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. So here we are, week three of our series, Good News, and we've walked through the, the first week we talked about when Mary received the good news, and we kind of contrasted that with how Zechariah received his good news of his son, John the Baptist, coming, and the, the difference between the belief and the unbelief, and how the angel responded between belief and unbelief, and Zechariah, out of his unbelief, his mouth was shut until the baby was born. That, was be, that would be frustrating, right? And so then we see Mary on the flip side, in turn, is praised and exalted, right? And then we talked last week about Joseph and, and, the, and the angel coming in, in his dream. And we talked about how, how Joseph was obedient unto the Lord, that, that he says, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this, right? So as the Lord says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to name him Jesus. And then we read in Matthew where he says, so then he, he woke up, he took Mary as his wife because he was going to divorce her quietly. And he's like, you know what? I feel like the Lord said, this is what I'm supposed to do. So he's going to be obedient. And he's going to walk through that. And in the end, he names the child Jesus. And so we've, we've looked at those, those stories. And so this week, we're going to look at the shepherds that received. But I was thinking through this. You realize we are 10 days away from Christmas. 10 days away, which means hopefully by now, maybe you have some presents under the tree. Hopefully the Christmas shopping is about done. Guys, we're only seven days away from when you're supposed to start shopping. All right. Um, So uh, you're, you're getting close to needing to run to the store and figure out what you're getting your mom, your wife, your kids, right? All that kind of stuff. So uh, now I I am not always a last minute shopper. I I try to be a little bit prepared and a little more, uh, you know, done in advance. So I don't have to deal with it. Last night I had to run uh, to pick up some food over near North Park. (sighs) It was a disaster, right? You know, the food was great, but the traffic was horrendous, right? So we try to avoid that part of the world this time of year, right? And I think we all do. We're like, oh, man. And you have those moments. I was talking to Derek this week. He's like, man, hopefully you don't have to go to North Park. And I was like, I do. I'm headed there right now. And he's like, I'll pray for you. You know, it's one of those deals where you're just like, I don't want to have to deal with it. You know, it's this kind of thing. So every year, though, Lauren and I, at some point throughout the year, we'll be like, we're not doing gifts this year, right? Right? We're not getting each other gifts. And then she always comes back and she's like, I know that you're going to get me something. Uh, so I went ahead and I was like, what do you mean? I said I wasn't getting you. And, and she knows for a fact that I will always get her something. And every year, though, I'm going to come to her and be like, hey, maybe this year we just, we don't need anything. Let's not do gifts. But she's like, but you're going to buy me something. So we're going to do this. But so I, I, I the first few times it was an attempt to try to like surprise her with something, right? You know, this kind of deal, because that is a great moment when you truly surprise her with something, because typically what she gets for Christmas is what she's like put in the Amazon cart and says, Hey, can you go click purchase? Um, because that way I know I get what I want for Christmas from you. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy. But a lot of times I try to come up with something that will surprise her or be added to that. She's like, okay, I didn't see that coming. Like, I think last year I told her I just got her a stocking stuffer and it ended up being like new shoes in the stocking, right? This kind of, it just looked really ridiculous, but you know, and then other things, right? So it's this whole deal where I try to surprise her with things. I remember one year where I was like, just blew her away. I bought her a brand new car. That didn't happen. I'm making that up. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it was going to be a great story though, right? Uh, no, but, but it's the excitement of surprising her is fun for me. I thoroughly enjoy it when she's like, 
oh my word, I didn't see that coming. This is completely unexpected. So, so a lot of times, like I'll get her other gifts that she's wanting just to throw her off the scent, right? She'll have no clue. And then it's that surprise moment on Christmas morning where she's going, oh my word. And you know what she's doing right now is she's thinking, oh my word, what else has he bought me? Which is great because now she's, this is so good because it's building up and she's going, oh, this is, so, this is wonderful. But there's that joy of the excitement of the moment, right? Of just like pure shock and surprise. That's a great moment. I almost wonder if the angels, as they were preparing to appear to the shepherds in the field, if they had a little bit of that anticipation of how awesome is this about to be, we are going to shock the mess out of these shepherds who are living out in this field watching their sheep. I wonder if there was like wagers on, do you think any of them will wet themselves, right? Like that would be the kind of, you know, like dinner's on you tonight if that one... Right? So I don't know. It, the scripture doesn't tell us. We can only, we can only speculate. No, but we shouldn't. We probably shouldn't. So let's look today at Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 21. And we're going to read this real quick, uh, and then we'll break it down as we walk through it. So if I read it quickly in this moment, and you go, I didn't keep up, we will go back in a slower pace in a moment. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rest. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had, had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. The first thing today is this. The good news was brought to the humble. The good news was brought to the humble. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your anointing will rest on my words today, that you will lead me, that you will guide me and anoint me, Lord. Let my mouth be your mouth this morning. Let me speak what you would have me to say. Lead me as I walk through this this morning. We thank you for it. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. The good news was brought to the humble. The shepherds were keeping their flock by night. They would take turns watching the sheep throughout the night to protect from, from wolves and from thieves. Oftentimes, the thieves would have been other shepherds uh, looking for more sheep and this and that, right? So uh, the, the shepherds were actually living. It says they were living in the fields. And the word for living uh, is, is a Greek word that is agruileo, agruileo, right? And it literally means that that was their homestead, so to speak. This is where they lived. 
So there are these, these homeless shepherds living out in the field, watching their sheep. So at this time, you can talk about humble, you know, they, they were living in the most humble of situation, whereas they lived under the stars and they lived with sheep and they stayed with their animals and they were out amongst the wilderness, so to speak. And so here we have them. And then it says that they, uh, the angel appeared and the, and the Greek word for appeared here is, uh, is ephistemi which is not the correct pronunciation, but it's close enough. And, it, and this, what it means is that it indicates that they appeared suddenly. It basically shows this suddenness. So it wasn't as if they were watching them get closer and closer from a distance and, and kind of maybe stirring conversation, but it was just all of a sudden, boom, here they are, they appear, right? So they're living out in these fields. There are these shepherds. They're watching their flocks. They're keeping their sheep. And all of a sudden, boom, there's this angel in front of them, which would be kind of crazy. And so here's what it says, though, that the glory of the Lord shone around the angel. And here's what we know about it. Here's what we know about the glory of the Lord is that the angels were not shining because they themselves had glory to radiate. The angels aren't shining because they are angels. No, they are sh- they are the glory of the Lord is what is causing the shine. It shows that these angels had been in the presence of God Almighty. So the glory shining is not just when you see an angel, when they, they draw the depiction and the halo kind of glowing. That, that is not because they are angels. It's also the, this halo glow that you see in a lot of the, 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 the Italian paintings in, in different time periods and stuff is not because of the fact that they are angels, but because they had been in the presence of the Lord. Because it's the glory of the Lord that, was show, that shone around them. Not, not the glory of the angels that was emitting off of them. No, but they had seen God. They had been in the presence of God. And this makes me think of, of, of a similar moment when Moses in Exodus chapter 33 is on the mountain with the Lord. And, and he spends time with him and he has to do the, the second round with the Ten Commandments and all that stuff, Right. And the Bible tells us in, in, in chapter 34, in the next chapter, that when Moses comes down the mountain, here it says, when he come in verse 29, it says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant, I'm sorry, my notes just jumped way back, the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware of his face, that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. I want to point this out for just a moment. And this is, this is kind of a sub idea and, and not a fully developed thought that I have yet, but something that I've been kind of pondering and working through as I've studied through these different encounters with, with these angels as they come because they, they have fear, right? The angel shows up and then what happens? It says, and they were afraid. And then the angel says, fear not or, or do not be afraid. And we see this and we see this in the same moment. Now, Moses in the Old Testament comes down from the mountain and his face is radiant, right? He's glowing because of his encounter with the Lord. He had seen the Lord. And in that story, actually, the Lord says, listen, I'm going to walk past you and I'm going to cover your eyes until I am past you. And when the, you, I'll let you see my back, right? And all my glory just on the back. Because if you see my face, you'll die. He said, but I'm going to cover you. I'm going to walk past. I'm going to shield you. And then when I get back, you can see me in all my glory. So these angels who have been in the very presence of God Almighty, they come down and they shone. It's like they're shining with the glory of God, right? So here we have Moses comes down from the mountain, shining and radiant. And and, and you see him. And what happens then in that moment? They know it's Moses and they are afraid. 
And so again, this is kind of side note. This is, this is something that I've been working through. So there is a parallel here to the greatness of the glory of God and what our response should be when we are in the presence of God Almighty. And, and it goes back to, and the proverb says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yes, God is loving. God is gracious. God is merciful. But we have to understand who God is within the context that he holds our eternity in his hands. And so our fear is not a, oh, I'm so trembling and fearful. I can't go before the Lord. But this awe of the magnitude and the greatness of who God is. And so as the angel comes and appears before the shepherds, their natural response, because it is the glory of the Lord radiating off of these angels, is to be afraid which is a correct response in a sense of saying that they recognize and understand the fear of the Lord. So that is not a fully, I haven't fully worked through all of that, but it's something that has been kind of stirring as I've worked through this and I just felt the need to share that. And so we see these shepherds, they may be these kind of lowly shepherds who shepherds in the culture would have been viewed as kind of the lowest of the low, as, as mostly because their work, the job they did, made them ceremonially unclean. And so because of the very work they did, because of the job that was needed, then the, in the Jewish culture, they're like, well, you're unclean. So for them to, to be clean, to come into the temple, they had to go through this whole cleansing ritual to be able to partake in the worship within the temple. And so that society just says, no, you're unclean. You're unclean, right? So you, you need to be away from us because we can't interact with you because you're unclean, right? And so shepherds then get looked down and looked down and looked down upon. And so here's these shepherds who may have just been shepherds, but they weren't fools because they recognized the fear of the Lord. So quick recap, we have angels watching, or shepherds watching their sheep. Angels appear, they're shiny bright. The, 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 the shepherds are fearful, and the angel says, do not be afraid. And they said, because I bring you good news. It says, these shepherds, these outcasts of society, they were the first to receive the good news of a Savior that had come. Think about that for a moment. The angels could have gone to the, the most powerful of the Roman Empire and said, today you need to know that the Messiah has been born, that a Savior has come, and you need to tell the world. Everybody needs to be aware of this because you are the powerful and the elite. You can then go and you can mandate it to become the, the, the religion of the world, and you can cause this. And the angels could have gone that road. The Lord could have said, this is my plan. And he said, no, 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 we're not going that direction. They could have gone to the priests and the Pharisees within the Jewish faith and said, you are the, the chosen people and you are the leaders of the chosen people. And I am going to send the angels to you to receive and to hear that today it has happened. A child has been born. The Messiah has come and we're ready to rock and roll and make this happen. But the angels didn't do that. The Lord sent them to the shepherds. Because he sent the good news to the humble. He sent it to the humble. If we look back at Luke chapter 1, we see that this is kind of a recurring theme throughout the book of Luke is, is the moment of, of, of humility, then in turn encountering the Lord and encountering Jesus. And, and Mary writes this in her song in, 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 in chapter 1, verses 48 through 52. She says, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. 
From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. This is the opposite here of humility, right? And, and Mary's calling this out. Those who are proud in their inmost thoughts, the Lord has, has scattered them. And then in verse 52, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. And then if you look ahead into Luke chapter 7, it says, So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. All of those who are walking in humility, because in the culture that they were in, considers them outcast. See, God is drawn to humility. God is drawn to humility. That's why he chose. We see, we see Mary and Joseph, these, these young and, and poor uh, two, uh, you know, young couple that is pledged to be married. And the Lord says, through your humility, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to give you the responsibility of being the earthly parents of my son, and we see it again with Moses who, who encountered the Lord and, and was radiant with the Lord. And in Numbers, it says that Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth, which is a pretty big statement, right? And, and Moses then gets to see the Lord and his glory. The shepherds are among the lowest in the society. This morning, you may be here and you might be wondering why you feel as though God has not revealed himself to you. Here's what I know. When we make connecting with God about us, when we make it something we deserve, when we make it something that the Lord owes me this, all of a sudden we've replaced humility with pride and with arrogance and says, God, I deserve this from you. I have kept this command. I have lived this way. I have walked this way. And therefore, in turn, you should meet with me now. And I can tell you from what I've seen in scripture, nothing is more repulsive to God than an arrogant heart that demands an audience with the Lord. And it's the humble who the Lord reveals himself to. In that moment, the shepherds weren't probably going, man, I really hope that at some point in my life, an angel appears and tells me about the birth of the Messiah, right? But at that moment, they show up and the, 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 the shepherds are just probably just dumbfounded in the moment going, what in the world is happening? Why me? Why did the Lord choose us out in this field watching our sheep to be the first to hear the good news. And it boils down to their humble state. I don't know their hearts, but I know the condition they lived in. And the Lord is saying, look, look at the state in which they live. Look at how they are. And the Lord says, through this humble condition, through this humility in which they live in, again, bringing rulers down and exalting and lifting the humble. God desires a heart of humility. So when we go to the Lord and we say, Father, I want to connect with you, it has to come from a place that says, God, in my brokenness, in my weariness, in, in how, how desperate I am for you, I am not capable, I am not able on my own. 
I'm not able, period. I'm in need of Jesus. I'm in need of a savior. I'm in need of, of, of the love of the father to come and to meet me where I am. Not because I deserve it, but because it's the exact opposite. Because without it, I am hopeless and I am lost. The good news comes to the humble. And what's crazy is they didn't just get a simple moment with an angel where the angel comes up and is like, hey, I just want you to know the Lord loves you, Right? Oh, man, they were given the greatest message of all time. They heard about the Messiah being born. It says, a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. And these would be Jewish uh, um, shepherds in this moment. They would be fully aware of the fact that the Messiah is coming at some point. And then to have an angel come and say, I'm telling you, he's here now. It was in the humble beginnings of the shepherd that the word came. And the second thing is this, the good news caused the word to spread. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What I love is that after the shepherds had seen these angels, they didn't just go, oh, that was cool. Um, I think one of our sheep wandered off. I'm going to go grab it. And when I get back, it's actually your turn, so I'm going to lay down. Right? Like, like nothing just happened, just like completely nonchalant. Like, oh. And then like a couple days later, hey, remember when those angels showed up? Yeah, that was crazy. I think there's a wolf. Let me go kill it, right? Like, this is not, like, that's not the response or the reaction that you're going to have in the moment when, like, the multitude of angels appear. It's like, poof, angels like crazy. They're singing. They're telling you about the birth of Jesus. The natural reaction isn't going to be just to go, oh, you want to get something to eat? Right? Like, that's not how it's going to, that's not how you're going to respond. It's this moment of, oh, my word. And I love that it says, as soon as the angels had gone to heaven, they were like, let's go find this baby. Like, this is a big deal. Uh, forget what's going on. We're heading into town. And so here's what I love. The word found is actually, it doesn't mean like they stumbled upon or accidentally came across. Like, have you ever been looking for one thing and you're like, oh, I've been looking for this, right? And you find something else. You're like, oh, there's that flashlight that I was given at some banquet that I've really been needing, right? I, I don't know. It's like some name of a company on it or something, right? You know, you, you just stumble across things. This is not what happened. It's not like they were going into town going, hey, if we happen to see the baby, we should stop in and look. No, no, no. They sought it out. It says, so after they had found, that word found is like a seeking out. They are looking through Bethlehem trying to find this child. Now, there is a lot of debate and in, in, in conversation as to whether or not the shepherds would have known where it was because possibly they were the shepherds on the same land where Jesus, there's no way to know or or make that connection. So people come up with these hypotheses and these ideas. And the reality is we don't know. It could have been the first place they looked. It could have been the 100th place they looked. All we know is that they sought out this baby to find it. And then it says when they had seen him. Think about this. When they had seen him, when their eyes had fallen upon the baby and they now see the Messiah, they're going, that child is the savior of the world. What is their response? To go and tell everybody. 
the response is to leave and to start to tell everyone. And what happens when the word of the Lord is, what happens when the name of Jesus is shared? What happens when they tell about this baby that had been born? It says the people who heard it were amazed. They were full of wonder. They were full of awe. When they heard it, they were amazed. So now the humble and the lowly shepherds were the mouthpiece of God. This humble and lowly shepherds were now the first preachers of the name of Jesus. They were the first ones to go into the city and to share all that they had seen. And they're going and telling person after person the story of what had just happened. They tell of the angels coming and speaking to them and they see the baby and they're saying, it was just, we found it just as it was said. And they're going and they're telling person after person. And it says, and all who heard this good news were amazed. They were astonished. They were overwhelmed, filled with awe and wonder. So I've been a music fan my entire life, right? Like that's like just like a harsh subject change, right? Isn't it? But I've been a music fan forever and ever and ever. So I love music. And I've had the privilege of going to see some really cool concerts and, and some from like some really cheesy 90s Christian bands, right? Because I was a good pre- preacher's kid. And so you go and you see Audio Adrenaline and Newsboys and, and you go and you see like all these, like I even saw Mercy Me one time. That was a new low for me, right? Listen, Mercy Me's great. Mercy Me's great. But they weren't cool, right? You go like, I mean, I was trying to, keep up an image. So I had to keep it on the DL. Mercy Me is fantastic. So, you know, the guy can straight up sing. Holy cow. He's got a great voice. Anyway, so, uh, anyway, so I've seen all sorts of, like a wide spectrum of things. I got to see Sticks one time, right? Come sail away. Anybody? I mean, come on. There we go. I got a few. I'm an old soul. Let's be real. When Lauren and I were first started dating, I listened to classic rock all the time. And it got to the point where she'd get in the car and whatever's on, I'd be like, who is it? And I started quizzing her and she'd be like, uh, Pink Floyd. Yes. Like, you know, like it was a proud moment for me anyways. So like, then I, the, one of the best shows I've ever seen, I've seen Coldplay and I've seen John Mayer and John Mayer was amazing. As a musician, I like totally love John Mayer and his ability to play. The guy is a phenomenal guitar player. If you've ever just listened to him play, he's remarkable, right? And so we went and we saw John Mayer when I was in college. Oh, actually the kind of the craziest show I ever went to was Def Leppard. Whatever. Okay. So uh, John Mayer. So like we went and we saw, saw John Mayer. See this whole thing. It's incredible. And I loved every minute of the show. It was awesome. Even though we were sitting like way, way, way out there because it's expensive, right? And so we went and we see John Mayer. It was a great deal. You know what I did when I left? I got in a car and I fell asleep until we got back to the place. I had no desire to go out and tell everybody what I had just seen. Then it was this spectacular show and the lights were great and, the, and everything about it, the sound was amazing. And John played incredibly well. We're on a first name basis. And so he played phenomenally well. It was, this is a great, great night. It was incredible. And I left and was not compelled in the least bit to go and share all that I had just experienced with everybody around me. Because there is something different about casting your eyes on the face of Jesus than there is standing in the presence of a a person who has incredible ability. As great as that moment was, as awesome as that show was, I can tell you right now, I have probably told about that concert three or four times in the last decade since I've seen him. But I can talk about Jesus for days on end. Because there is a difference when the shepherds had seen his face. When they had seen him, they went and they told everybody. 
See, there's something about encountering the face of Jesus and, and being in the presence of the Savior, of the Messiah, that begins to stir your heart to feel the need to share. You feel compelled to be like, you know what? You need to know Jesus. You need to know this, this, this man who came, who gave his life for you and I because of the grace that I have received. My life is different. My world is different. Everything is, is better. Even when it's difficult, it's better. Even though I go through hard times and difficult moments, my life is better because of this baby that I've seen, because of this man who came and gave his life for you and me. So it says the people were amazed. And the word in the Greek is thawamazo, uh, which means to wonder and to marvel. So these humble shepherds spoke and people were filled with wonder. They began to marvel. You think about that. These are the outcasts of society, ceremonially unclean. And they're sharing the word of the Father. And people are then being full of wonder and amazement. The word came to the humble and it caused them to share with everybody, with everybody. How does this happen? Only by Jesus. Only by Jesus. The good news is too good to be kept to ourselves. It's too good to be kept in. If they were worried about being politically correct, uh, if they were trying not to offend anybody, what if, what, if, what if they allowed culture to dictate what they said that night? They, they probably would have prefaced like, hey, um, I had something really cool happen to me. Would you mind if I took a moment of your time and shared uh, and, and maybe kind of hinted at a few things? Right? But they said, you know, forget all of that. I don't care. And in the Jewish world, this would be something that would be kind of controversial in the moment because everybody's expecting the savior to come from the clouds as you know it's going to be this incredible moment where this victorious warrior is going to ascend from heaven and it's going to be amazing and and everybody in the world will know but because of their erroneous ideas of how the birth or how the the savior should come they miss the fact that he was born from a virgin and the fact that they're sharing this could have been you know shoved them out even further of society and yet they speak in the lord then with the words that they're saying, the people are full of amazement and wonder. Only by Jesus. They couldn't stay silent. And the third thing is this, the good news caused worship. Verse 20 says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I imagine that on their way back, they're going, okay, man, this has been a long night. They probably stayed out all night at that point. You know, we don't know for sure, but, but my, imagine, my, my thought would be that, that they went, they saw the baby. They're like blown away. Like, okay, we had this crazy encounter with these angels. They tell us all these things. We go and we find the baby just as the angels had told us. And now we're like blown away and God is amazing. And then we go and we start telling everybody throughout the town and people are like amazed and full of wonder as we share it. And now they're going, man, we're gonna head back home. And it says that on the way back, all they can do in that moment is just worship the Lord. 
All they can do is praise and glorify the Father. And they're like, God, you're so good. This is incredible. Thank you, Lord, for this moment and for this night that we got to be a part of this. There's this huge occasion and this big, I mean, this is overwhelming, right? Have you ever had those moments where you're just like, I'm too excited to contain myself, right? Or whatever. And you start doing things you're like, I don't know what to do with my hands, right? Or whatever. I don't know. It's this exciting moment, right? I feel like that's where the shepherds were in this moment is they're returning back and they're just glorifying the Father and they're just praising him. And I wonder if they almost felt like Isaiah 25, verse 1, he says, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name for in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. And here they are praising and going, these are things that the Lord has planned forever and ever and ever. This is his plan being fulfilled. And this is the beginning of, of, of the plan of salvation. It's being laid out before them and they got to be a part and encounter the initial moments of Jesus's life on earth. And they're just full of amazement and wonder and going, oh God, in your perfect faithfulness, you're fulfilling the things that you have planned long ago. They understood that the baby they had just seen was the most important thing. There's two natural responses encountering Jesus. First is the need to tell everyone, right? We talked about it. And the second is you can't stop worshiping the Lord. This is where the shepherds find themselves. I have a brother-in-law uh, who had a, a, a difficult past and upbringing, right? He had a, a, a crazy life coming up and found himself involved in a lot of things that, that landed him, eventually it landed him in jail and then on parole and all of this stuff. And, and, and just through different struggles with, with addiction and different things of that nature, he was in a world of mess, in a world of mess, just a crazy, crazy life, right? And one morning he came to church because he was invited by a friend, so cool. And I'm going to cry because I love my brother-in-law dearly. <laughs> and I remember that morning so vividly. It was March 23rd, 2002. And it's funny that I remember the date. It's my father's birthday in the year that I graduated high school. So it's forever ingrained in my mind. So March 23rd, 2002, my brother-in-law came to church that day lost, struggling with drug addiction, on parole for things that he did. Just all this stuff is incredible. And I watched Eric walk down to the front of the church and give his heart to the Lord that day. And can I tell you that it wasn't just a, a I'm going to say the prayer and hope to walk by. It was a radical transformation moment where God set him free immediately from drug addiction and alcohol. And it was just an incredible, overwhelming moment where it was just like, your mind is blown, right? Where you're like, wow, God, you're incredible. Can I tell you the coolest thing that ever happened to Eric? Now he's a pastor. That's a, that's a cool thing. That's, that's one of the cool things. Uh, they're pastor church. But here's what's incredible about him is he can't stop telling people about Jesus and he cannot stop worshiping the Lord. I, I mean, so he still leads worship at his church, even though he's the pastor. He's like, he can't quit. And he tells everybody about Jesus. He has never met a stranger and he's never met a person that he couldn't pray for. And it's, I mean, it's just when you encounter Jesus, when he saves you and you feel that, right? And you see the change and you're overwhelmed by the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. There is substantial change that happens in your life and you can't stop telling people about Jesus and you can't stop worshiping the Lord. And the shepherds in that moment and that night as these humble shepherds encounter the Lord and they see the work of the father and they see the face of grace and mercy. 
and they're full of awe and wonder and they can't help but tell everybody and they return worshiping. I imagine they didn't sleep much that night. I imagine even when it was the other person's shift and their other, the other turn going, but what if the angels come back? Or what if this, you know what I mean? Like, I can't sleep now. Like, this, this is too good. This is too good of a night. I, I want it to last forever. You know what I mean? It's one of those kind of moments. And I'll invite the worship team. Because when we encounter the goodness and the mercy of the Father, when we experience the grace of Jesus, and we truly experience, not just, not, I mean more than just head knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is. I'm, I don't mean just like, I grew up in church, I've read the Bible, I'm aware of what it says, but, but we encounter the grace and the mercy of the Father. It does something deep in our soul that says, from this day forward, I want to give all that I am to be all that he wants me to be. I want to worship the Lord. I want to tell people about Jesus. And it all starts with humility. It starts with humility and that recognition and understanding that I am nothing apart from Christ. I can boldly stand up here and proclaim to you that without Jesus, I am an incapable human being. Sure, I can do some things, right? There are things I can do on my own ability. I'm sure I could find a job and I could make things happen. But when I surrender to Christ and I realize that I am better because of him, I am better with him, I'm only better because of Jesus, not because I've come on alongside of him. That's not what it is. I'm not coming alongside of Jesus. I'm surrendering to Jesus completely. I'm fully surrendering to who he is. And in humility, I submit and say, Father, whatever you want is who I am. Whatever you want from me is what I give to you. And that recognition and understanding that it's not about a partnership where we go in on this 50-50. That's not what this is. That's not what surrendering to the Lord is where we go, hey, let's negotiate and talk through the the terms of this agreement. No, 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 no. It's saying, Father, I surrender fully. I humbly submit to who you are and who you want me to be. And I come under your leading and I trust you fully. I trust you fully. And in that moment, you encounter grace like you've never known. You feel the love of the Father like you've never known before. Oh, and it stirs inside of you where you go, I just want to tell people. People need to know. People need to know. And then you get to the point where you're like, oh, but I can't stop worshiping the Lord either. I can't stop worshiping. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God, and we want to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc.